everybody. This is Allison from The Locally Sourced. On today's episode, I will be talking with Deb Sullivan. Deb and her husband, Dan, are the owners of the local bookstore, The Book Oasis. The Book Oasis is a bookstore opened in 2002 in the heart of Stoneham and has been a wonderful addition to our town. The Book Oasis is celebrating being open for 18 years. Deb, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Allison. This is awesome. So you guys have been open for 18 years. What an accomplishment. Yes, it's uh, pretty exciting. We um, remember celebrating our sweet 16 and thinking that that was something. But now that we're closer to 20, it's uh, pretty, it feels pretty good. It must have been a long road. You know, I, just me thinking, oh, maybe I'll celebrate my one year. You guys are like 18 years. So you guys are probably veterans. Um, what was it like starting off with the bookstore? Um, it wasn't really in the plans at first. My husband and I uh, both had regular corporate jobs and both got laid off from our regular corporate jobs within six months of each other. Back um, just after the Y2K, everybody had to have all of their you know computers and all that stuff. And once that was all set and it wasn't a, a global meltdown, a lot of people got laid off. Um, and I had gotten another job and three weeks later, one of my friends who owned a bookstore in Woburn Center decided she was going to close it, pack it all up, and move out west to be closer to family. And uh, I literally was in the job three weeks and gave them notice and said, okay, I'm taking over this bookstore business. <laughs> now, have you liked books before this? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I grew up in Seattle, which is drippy, drippy gray, a lot of rain, and... Um, I, I forever hiding in my closet with a flashlight, a box of crackers in my books. So my mom would try to kick me outside to go play in the rain because we did. Um, but no, me and my Nancy Drews. <laughs> so you were like the Harry Potter, but you wanted to be in the cupboard reading with I a flashlight in your wand. Yes, absolutely. That's it was too hard, funny. hard to pull me away from the books from a very early age. And it's nice because books, you know, get you into a different realm, help you create a different life away from sometimes the life you don't want to recognize from your regular nine to five. So was this your dream of opening a store? It kind of fell in your lap. It fell in our laps. Exactly. Uh, we started selling in um, flea markets many years before we had the store. Um, Dan and I met in 94, 95, something like that. And um, did some flea market selling together when, right after we had decided we were going to date for a while and um, decided that we both liked books enough that we would make a website business out of it. So way back when websites were still brandy new, we had um, we were selling online and shipping all over the world. We still have the big map with all the pins of all the places around the world that we shipped books. Um, so how did you do that? What was the process? Did you buy books in bulk from the publisher? How does that work? Uh, for the store, we buy from the publisher. But back then, we were going to yard sales. So we were buying them for five or 10 cents and selling them for a few bucks here and there. And that, um, you know, we still do it today. If, if Well, not in COVID times, but we do still shop a lot of yard sales because you just never know what you're going to find. And you might find somebody that's just getting rid of their, you know, 30 books of Stephen King and you rub your hands together and try not to look too eager about it. 
That's too funny. That's like, and it's funny because I have a friend who was my old coworker and she too looks for books online or through eBay. And, you know, unfortunately some people don't know the, the um, profit of a book and, you know, if it's a certain hardcover or a certain binding, um, how did you learn about that? How did you have to take classes or was it all just through experience and learning? Uh, experience mostly. I mean, Dan's experience is in comic books. So he has a little bit on the collectibles side. Uh, for me, it was just the popular authors and knowing what I liked to read and guessing that most other people would probably like the same thing. Um, now, do you sit online and just do the research all day or it's kind of like what's in what's popular at the time? Uh, well, now we do a lot more research because it's 20 years later and what is valuable now is completely different from what was valuable then. Um, but a lot of it you just know. I mean, after a while, you just can look at a book, a title, an author, an illustrator, and say, okay, yeah, this is going to be a good one. We want to buy this one. Um, or we'll take it in trade. We do that at the store too. Sometimes people just bring in, you know, Grain Aunt Sally's cookbook collection. And cookbooks are really fun because they're more valuable to us when they have, you know, exchanges and notes in there and Uncle Henry's favorite soup. Don't forget to leave out the salt. That stuff is priceless. <laughs> never thought of that to look for cookbooks and see old Nano's recipe for meatballs in there with like he's like oh add this type of parmesan because this is the best so that's too funny have you seen a trend um over the years of what type of authors and themes that people have been looking for um it changes I mean when Twilight was the thing everybody was reading about vampires and werewolves and it, now it's it's Kind of trending a little bit more towards witches and zombies it, it really is i mean it it just kind of depends on what people are seeing on netflix i remember that twilight phase and i you know it's funny my friend was a huge harry potter fan back then and she would wait in the lines at midnight to buy a book and then she'd read it that night and then go to bed 12 in the afternoon to read the harry potter series it's just incredible that someone like that um, the author, J.K. Rowling, started off from nothing to all of a sudden a millionaire, however much money she makes. Um, do you see those books coming in now as used or do you think people are holding on to those? Oh, no, we get them quite often. In fact, when we opened in 2002, the first Harry Potter had only come out like six months before. And it was still, you know, bigger in England than it was here, but somehow we were getting kids from the Central Middle School coming across the street and asking, do you have Harry Potter yet? Do you have Harry Potter yet? And we're like, I don't even know what this Harry Potter thing is, <laughs> but no, I'm really sorry we don't. That's too um, funny that, that you say that. Before we'd even started purchasing books new from the publishers, we were strictly a used bookstore. We didn't have any experience with publishers and distributors and any of that far as acquiring new stock we were really at the whim of customers bringing stuff into us or what the yard sales had to offer that's too funny you say that that we you weren't aware of harry potter and now it's it's a whole big thing and it's funny because my husband bought me the box set and um you know my friend was like do you have the english english version or the american version i was like what do you mean do they say pajamas 
or something. I'll do this, say pajamas. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to reread it because we re I reread it twice now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this is from the um, England piece because they say pajamas. So it's funny that you probably get certain copies that have the differences in the text there. What is your favorite book or series? Oh, well, we love Harry Potter. And I think in our personal collection, we probably have 30 different versions of the seven books in different languages, different, you know, editions, the first editions, the, the British editions. Um, they're really fun. I really do love those. Uh, more modern stuff. I, I really enjoy Kristen Hanna. I'm not a romance reader, and that's really where she started, but her historical dramas are fantastic. Now, what, what kind of historical dramas does she write about? Uh, well, she wrote The Nightingale, which is two sisters in the brink of Poland and World War II. They're French, but things are just starting to happen in their tiny little remote village. And one becomes a, um, she, she basically helps people cross over the mountains to safety. And it's, it's a fascinating story and usually not my thing. Um, I, one of my, I have, my degree is in child psychology, biology, brain sciences. And I really love reading anything like Henry, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, the seven daughters of Eve, anything to do with genetics or science, bio, mummies, anthropology. I'm, I like that kind of stuff most, but um, yeah, I found, I find Kristen Hanna absolutely fascinating. She's really good. Now, do you feel the pressure when someone comes in and they say, can you recommend a book? Usually I'm not too uncomfortable with it, but if they're asking me to find a book for their 85 year old on birthday, I, I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because they usually don't know what, you know, she wants to read either. And it's, it's hard. I usually recommend getting a gift certificate or something. Right. You know, it is hard because everybody has so many opinions or like so many tastes and it does change week by week of you know I was really into the historical phase and then all of a sudden I was into the fantasy I read a wheel of time that took me I, I still haven't finished the last few chapters because it's taken me months to read um but it's it's tough I'm sure someone coming in saying can you recommend a book for my brother and these are what he likes to read I hope that helps but I think you know as being a bookstore owner it's like being a um movie critic it's like what's your favorite movies and everyone's staring at you and wondering and hoping and then they'll judge you for what you say oh no no that's not a good book so that must be a fun um, party conversation when you go to parties and they're like oh what do you do oh are you in a bookstore and all of a sudden they yeah. start asking you some opinions about books. <laughs> I'm, I mean, usually I'm okay, but once they start asking about Nora Roberts or some romance author, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I've read lots of Stephen King. I love his old stuff. I don't love his new stuff, but the night stuff from the 70s, 80s, and 90s is awesome. Uh, I like science fiction and fantasy. I read a lot of Heinlein. I read Asimov, but I also, you know, I enjoy Ready Player One. So I, that stuff I can talk about. That was a fun book. I really enjoyed that book. And of course, I loved the book instead of the movie. But the movie did do pretty well keeping up with the whole theme of the book. Um, I thought so. I, I just liked the way they fleshed out the characters in the book so much more. 
Right. And that I think that's the hardest thing. Everyone's like, well, the book was better. Maybe in certain small cases, the movie's better. But I always re- realize, you know, I love Ready Player One. I, it was a, a lot of 90s ideas and reminders. But once you saw the movie, you're like, well, I like the book better, you know, and I never pictured those characters to look like that from when they put them in the movies. No. So that, you know, it's a great part of reading a book because you can picture them a certain way. And then in the movie, you're like, wait a minute, that's not who I thought it would be or who I choose to play that. Has there any been any books like that? that you're like, whoa, 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 that's not the book at all. Oh, often they've changed things completely. I mean, even in Harry Potter, if you watch the movies and read the books, they will have assigned whole storylines to different characters. Like, you know, wait, in the book, that was Neville. And now they've given it to Seamus or somebody else I'm like that's not right and you you kind of don't realize it unless you watch them and read them very close together um yeah for me it's always all about the book and we really try hard not to buy movie covers on our books when we're ordering new books like right now everybody's all about Bridgerton all of the new books are going to have those two people on the cover and I'm just like oh no 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 and I was really surprised when um, a few years ago, they had put a movie book on the Stone of Summer reading list, and the teens were like, I don't want the movie cover, I want the original cover. And when when you have a 15-year-old telling you that they want to keep the characters in their heads alive and not be replaced by Hollywood's rendition, that just makes me feel so good. <laughs> now, was that, the, um, was that that Justice book, I believe? Was that it, or...? Um, no, it was with Michael B. Jordan. It wasn't that book. No, it was. Um, oh, just was, mercy. No, it was sorry. a curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. I think. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. We read the that. Was, um, uh, the art of racing in the rain. Okay. Yeah. I have not read. I, you know, I saw that movie. It's with, um, Milo, some long Italian last name, I believe. Antemilia. Yes. yes, that's it. Because he was from Gilmore Girls. Have you yes. noticed a trend with all younger kids now becoming more interested in books over the years of owning the bookstore? Because I know when I was younger, I hated reading. But now as I get older, I love it. And I, I'm obsessed with it. Have you noticed a trend with the ages coming in back into reading? Um, I think, well, it's hard to say now because we don't have that many people coming into the store physically, but two years ago, absolutely. We would get groups of teenagers to come. They would come in three or four or five of them. They would throw their backpacks down. And I don't know if you've been in the nonfiction room in the back where the cookbooks and the history are. We used to have pre COVID a nice comfy chair and a lamp and, you know, it's carpeted back there and they would just plop themselves down on the floor and, pull out books and start talking about them. And it's like, that's so cool. Um, And over time, I think that yes, kids are getting more into books because it's becoming not uncool anymore. It used to be very uncool (laughs) to be a book. I think that's why I didn't read it. I wasn't cool, but I knew not to read. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) At least not to admit to your friends that you were, you know, super into The Hobbit. (laughs) Well, it's funny because my aunt gave me the first Harry Potter book. And I joke about this every time with my husband because they're huge fans. And I read it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, a talking hat's not real. And I shut it for the rest of my life until I was older. I was like, oh, what was I thinking? This is amazing. A talking hat is perfect. The sorting hat. But, you know, it's I'm glad to see 
because it's hard now, of course, with the library shut down, your store having to follow certain regulations, and I'm sure not being able to go into the high school library or any library, it's mm-hmm. tough to uh, uh, promote reading to kids. Have you guys done anything in that sense, hold book fairs or so forth? We do. Um, we actually partnered with a friend of mine who owns the bookstore in Arlington. And about three and a half years ago now, we started Fantastic Book Fairs to kind of give a local option to some of our schools instead of Scholastic or Follett or some of the other big corporate book fairs, trying to nope. promote flexibility and community and the ability to um, understand what our geographic region likes and bring them something that wasn't published by Scholastic. <laughs> I was just gonna ask you, what is the difference between Scholastic and your type of book fairs? Uh, we purchase from all of the major publishers. So we're right on top of every um, new release, the new series. We're, I mean, between Mike and myself, we have 50 years of combined experience. So, um, we feel like we really bring something different to the table and we try really hard to be flexible. If they're like right now, it's all about diversity, multicultural acceptance. And when a teacher wants to add a book to the fair, if we can get it, we do that for them. We can satisfy author events for schools. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's That's different cool. now though, because we're all yeah. virtual. I know it it must be hard to do have you been able to do any certain type of book fair now how does our um online book fairs we're just doing online um we have a Shopify site there's all of our books are there there's probably 700 titles to choose from so there's plenty of variety um but we we had been asked to do an in-person fair in March and just decided we weren't quite ready for that yet. So I don't think we'll be back to those until the fall, but we do, you know, 12 to 15 fairs each fall and spring. So it's still keeping us pretty busy. It's a different kind of work. So we do a lot of, um, you know, pulling, packing, bagging up and getting everything sorted by teacher, you know, and making sure you didn't leave it at the wrong school, delivering. Uh, The schools have been doing car line pickups if they're not fully into classes or if they're they've got you know a hybrid model going on which is really nice because when the parents are already going to the school for a materials pickup all they have to do is you know add themselves to the line and get their their book orders too and then we also have people that are picking up at our stores so it gets people that might not be from Stoneham you know if we do a school in Reading or Melrose or Wakefield is some more people visiting the store and and getting to experience have you noticed that with COVID now, more and more people, there's more people seeking you out um, in terms of looking for books, in terms of just reading more since they have the time? Absolutely. We have gained so many new customers. And I, when someone walks in and goes, oh, you can kind of see it in their faces because from the outside, it doesn't look quite as big and bright as it is once you get inside. So, um, it's just nice to, you can kind of tell right away when it's somebody's first time in. And I always ask, oh, where are you from? Do you live here in Stoneham? And most of the time they don't because I know my Stoneham people, but if they say, oh no, I'm from Malden or I'm from Saugus, I'm like, oh, hey, not so far. I'm so glad you found us. Try to make sure that they, you know, feel the love. (laughs) But between the reading time, 
puzzle time. We do games and, you know, there's some other stuff there. Baby showers, which are all, of course, interestingly drive by these days. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's been I'm not going to recognize any of my new customers when, when the mask thing comes off. That's true. You only know their eyes and eyebrows. Hopefully you have a good memory and maybe the hairdos at the least, but um, that's awesome. Cause I noticed when COVID hit, I started reading a lot and a lot, I got to catch up on books. I really wanted to le- read, you know, I keep a, I keep a diary or journal of all the books I read on Goodreads. I'm like, I don't even remember reading that one a while back. Um, So that's where, unfortunately, COVID has its negative impact. But for you guys, it seems to be helping you guys out a lot. What was it about Stoneham that you wanted to have a location here? Or was it just the place where it worked best for you and your husband? Well, we we live in Woburn. So we wanted to stay within about five-ish miles of home just to make it easy to commute and um, the place that we started in Stoneham uh, in six about 650 square feet it was a very small little um, it used to be actually a guns and ammunition store our, our first store was actually the little tiny place next to Hairmate salon on the corner of Montvale and Maine um, okay but then it was sugar plum parties and then right now they, they went out of business and now it's the, the hair salon has actually moved over into that space. But um, it was a nice, small, inexpensive center of a town on a state highway-ish kind of place to start because, you know, Dan's got a business degree. So we knew enough about location, location, location and managing your expenses up front to make sure that we didn't um, get into something we couldn't get ourselves out of. <laughs> <laughs> or, or try to make successful early. Um, and we stayed in that 650 square feet for two years and then moved two blocks down the street to the next building in January, just after a blizzard. <laughs> so we expanded to 1300 feet, going down this little tiny 12 inch wide rut in the sidewalk with our little carts and moving all the books over to the next store. and. It, it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of memories, I'm sure, when you look back and think about everything you have done, pushing those carts on the sidewalks with your hats and mittens and so forth. You probably laugh about it now, but not at the time when you're cold. No, 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 no. Yeah, it, it, it was um, not the best time of year to move, but it's the slowest time of year. So it made sense. Actually, financially, we weren't interrupting business in the middle of summer when it's our busiest time of year. Can you tell us um, a little bit more about the in and outs of owning a bookstore? Um, well, you always have to be on top of trends and that can be challenging because there's always going to be something that is more flash in the pan than having longevity, which is good in the book business because if you're going to buy a, you know, a significant amount of stock based on something that's a trend, like right now, you know, Eight months ago, everybody was cooking sourdough bread. <laughs> like you could not get a book on bread making to save your life. And now I have a dozen books on bread making because everyone's got it, done it, been there. <laughs> and they're done I'm sure with, with gardening too and making your own gardening and herbs was a huge one as well. Yeah. And canning and home brewing. Actually, home brewing is the trend that's now beginning because the, I think They've done kind of all the other um, satisfy your basic human needs. 
and then and now you need some beer to wash down that bread <laughs> and to get through the week now that we're still here where we are yeah what kind of books are you accepting lately has it changed over time since covid hit um yeah right now i mean we used to get so many of our books from library book sales and without those we're we're starting to get kind of desperate in a few categories and a few authors but um yeah, uh, we're, we're taking pretty much anything in soft cover, anything in children's books, and anything in nonfiction. It's the, the fiction hardcovers, which people are trying really hard to get rid of, that our shelves just were never built for. They're too short. So we don't have a lot of space for them. So that's the one thing that we're kind of picky about what we take in. No, someone brings a set of books and they just can't donate it. If you can't accept it, where where do those books go? Do you take them or do, do you recommend a spot to place them in? Um, we will we will take most of the time if we if you know if it's not a Saturday afternoon when we're already too busy to to do anything with it, but try to sell. Um, we'll take them and find a good home for them. There's a few places that we donate, and we do keep a couple of boxes. Uh, just behind the counter for local teachers to go through. So if it's kids books that we don't need or we're just overstocked in that size or that author or series, we throw them in the teacher boxes and most of them know to come and ask and say, hey, is there anything, you know, anything in the teacher boxes? And they can just take those away. They get them for free. That's really cool of you guys to do. So it allows the teachers to just grab a book that they find and take it away from free. That's I didn't know that. That's good to know because I I had a ton of we had books upon books when my son was born and we had doubles. So um, we ended up bringing them to a booth in back of um, the Stoneham Senior Center. There's a bin. And I'm not quite sure if you know of that bin, but we put books in there and apparently it goes to libraries or use bookstores for them to look at and um, resell them or repurpose them. So that has, so is that been open, the used teachers books been open to all teachers in the local areas or is it just for Stoneham? Nope. Anybody that says, oh, I'm a teacher can go through them. Yep. That's wonderful. How would they get in contact with you to figure that out? Oh, they can actually just come in and ask, but we, um, we keep also a teacher credit. So if people move or they don't want their store credit after a while, we convert it into teacher credit. We keep a running total. So if somebody comes in and we overhear them or ask because they seem to be buying the huge stack of the same title of book for their, you know, we ask and then um, we will take off 10 or 20% and deduct it from our teacher credit list. They're, they're always pretty excited about that. I'm sure anyone would be with percentage off, especially as a teacher. They spend a lot of their own personal money on education and books and supplies. So, so it, much you, of their own money, especially when we get new teachers, you can tell that they're like they've just gotten their teaching certificates and they're like 23 years old and they're they're there with their mothers <laughs> to get books for their classrooms. And it's the sweetest, absolutely the sweetest thing. But man, are they excited to get something for free? <laughs> I think anyone is, uh, as a veteran teacher or as a new teacher, that's really nice of you guys to do. Is there anything else you guys do for the community? Uh, well, we do so do all of the summer readings. So we work with, the, um, especially in Stoneham, we work with the head of the English department and try to get, you know, books on those lists that are actually attainable. Sometimes those lists don't turn over as much as we would like. And they become hard to acquire the books. 
So we like to have a first glance at those before they actually get out to the parents and the kids. And it, it's become actually a pretty big part of our summer sales. So we've created a wall that goes right, it's right by the register. There's a, usually a big banner over it. And the parents and kids that have been in town for more than two years, they know exactly where to go for their summer reading. And we can tell because we see that pink piece of paper or that green piece of paper and we know what grade it is. And we know. And it's usually August 1st when they come in. No, I'm just kidding on that one. Um, the last week of August can be pretty busy, but a lot of them, they, they just love the reading and they like having that goal. So, you know, especially with a list that, you know, for the most part, they're, they're trying to stay pretty contemporary. Um, the sixth graders, I feel for them because it's all depressing. It's all survival stories. And, you know, my parents have left me or died and I have to, you know, make my way in the world. That's not for me. But I was um, going to ask well, you that. Have you seen the different books and how they changed over the years as you, the schools recommend them yes, in terms of what's going on tried. with the current world? Yes, and I do try when um, when I do talk to the English departments to say, hey, you know, we've seen a huge interest in A, this subject, or B, this author, or this title. You might want to consider adding something if it fits into the curriculum that you are trying to, you know, support with the, the list that you have. Um, but we do, we try to hit on all of the schools around us. We don't just do Stoneham schools. We actually have a label um, you know, we do Austin Prep and Matinon. We do all the parochial schools, and then we just hit them all. Malden, Melrose, Wakefield, Linfield, Stone, and Reading, North Reading, Woburn. You know, we just, everybody that's around us, they all have their shelf. They're all, the books are, they don't have to go running around the store trying to find them. They just have to go to the shelf with their label, and they're alphabetized and so much easier. Now, do you guys market that to the schools, or just kind of a well-known thing now? It's a pretty well-known thing after 18 years, they, they know what we do. Uh, but a lot of them, because we've done their school book fairs, they're used to coming to us anyway and they're familiar with us. But I once I get the lists, which can be a little bit of work because you now you're trying to find the librarian or the English department head from a school that isn't in your town necessarily. Um, most of them are pretty ready for my email <laughs> and I get those lists and um, check them out and make sure everything is good and get our shelves built. And then I will tag all of the PTOs or the schools in my social media posts and make sure that I'm some, you hope that the parents are actually, you know, looking at the blah, 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 schools, PTO <laughs> Facebook page for updates and just say, Hey, we've got your summer reading list. The shelf is ready to go. Come see us shop local. That's so much more helpful. I remember myself, I'm a last minute person, but I was running off to like Barnes and Noble trying to grab the last minute books and running all around the store. So it's helpful that, you know, it's it's easier for someone in Sodom just to come into your store or call you and grab the book rather than calling 10 different Barnes and Nobles and they say they have it in this section. It's like, all right, well, let me go into this giant store and find it even though I have about two more days to read the book and write a report so that's good to know for all the kids out there who um have to do summer reading you know what's the difference about from you to a giant bookstore like Barnes and Noble well Barnes and Noble has actually got our phone number they called us looking for books when they have a customer standing in front of them before so 
that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> that is, that's very cool. That must be like some goal, like some accomplishment right there for you. Yes, yes. When Barnes and Noble actually uses you as a reference to source material that they can't get, that, that feels really good. <laughs> uh, well, we, we definitely are focused. We have more of a, you know, local history, local authors, trying to keep it as community oriented as possible. We are very in tune with what our customers are asking for. And I will make notes. If I get two or three requests for the same author or a, say a series, I mean, I remember when I didn't know what Dogman was and, or Captain Underpants. I don't, we don't have kids. So kids books, we kind of really pay attention to our customers and what the kids, you'll get these little six-year-olds that can barely see over the counter. Do you have any Princess Posey books? I'm like Diary uh, of the Wimpy Kid. I know I have to go look popular. it up and find out who wrote Princess Posey and where I'm supposed to find it. But it, it those are harder for us to keep up with just because it's not our thing. But now that we have the book fairs, we know exactly what kids are looking for. Now, is Diary of a Wimpy Kid still popular? Is that I remember that series? No, is it it's dying new, down now. It is. It's not. It's. I think. I think that Dogman and the Diary of Wimpy Kid and Amulet, uh, the Babysitter's Club in graphic novels are huge. Graphic novels are probably going to be the bread and butter for quite a while to come, I think. Because so that's what kids, kids are into these days is graphic novels? The, the kids are into them. The teachers have green-lighted them. There's a graphic novel in every grade on every summer reading list. Um, it might be March, so... It's, you know, the March on Washington series. There's a graphic novel series that's kind of that 1960s um, history. But it's still a graphic novel, so kids will read it. I remember there was a graphic novel out about the um, concentration camps. I forget the name of it. Um, I believe the character was a mouse. Oh, oh mouse. Yes, yes. Well, there you go. I remember when that was out. So it's good that teachers are being more open. And I think that allows more adaptability for students who struggle with reading in general and paying attention and just grasping the idea that the graphic novel and the visual pieces are giving them the opportunity to understand the story in a different way. So that's really good of teachers learning to adapt to the needs of the students, which is great because then authors can kind of come up with that new way of telling history or stories as important as the concentration camps or, you know, whatever they need to learn about, whether it be science and so forth. So that's really cool of teachers placing that on the read to read list. It's okay to read something like that. I know for me, maybe if it was by a graphic novel, I was into comic books here and there, but no, you know, I, I was always like, again, comic books probably weren't as cool as they are now. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's nice to see that changing over time. You know, you just don't have to sit and read all these letters. You have the opportunity to look at the visuals and get a better understanding of the story. Yeah, and they are making graphic novels now for everything. I mean, you can buy the Diary of Anne Frank in a graphic novel. They have Shakespeare in graphic novel form, which is a great introduction because a 12-year-old can read that. And before they're required to read old English in high school, they've got a basic grasp of what Shakespeare was trying to do, and they've got the visual to go along with it. I think it's a fantastic starting point for so many kids. Our next challenge, of course, is 
weaning them off the graphic and getting them into more and more prose. And, you know, that's a little bit more of a challenge because those books still tend to be kind of young. And I think when you've got graphic novels being read by everyone from sixth grade, six-year-olds to 14-year-olds, getting something that's now much less uh, visual and a lot more mental is, is a challenge. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. But I think, you know, it's the only thing is it's nice that, you know, if a child has struggled writing, it allows them to think maybe I could be a writer by doing a graphic novel or drawing pictures and telling my own story. But again, you're right. It's probably going to be, it'll be difficult to transfer from seeing the visuals, to just reading and then making the visual yourself in your creative mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be hard as well. I know for me, I probably I struggle with that when reading. I visualize one thing and then it's like, I got to go back and reread the same sentence 10 more times just to know what's going on. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure the teachers are teaching um, techniques to do so. So that's, but um, do you guys ever think you'll ever carry like comic books? We do actually have some like Marvel comics. We have a small box of regular old, you know, stapled binding comics because of my husband was a comic book dealer way back in the day we used to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics and again sometimes you get lucky and you go to a yard sale and there's you know somebody's just getting rid of them all and um the dealers of course and the collectors would come in really fast and pretty much wipe out all the good stuff um so now we're down to you know maybe maybe a hundred comics in the store there's comically speaking in reading so i guess for you guys it might be easier just to stick with books if they're already caught they already have an array of comics you know Mm -hmm. um so just moving on what is the difference between you guys in shopping locally compared to amazon um i know that's probably a big question you've gotten a few times (laughs) i've read it a few times in a blog well when you know we were all shut down back in march of 2020 we were still delivering and prioritizing books and education and community and making sure that, you know, if we couldn't get it, we'd, we would get it for you and get it to you safely and relatively quickly. Uh, Amazon deprioritized books and focused only on cleaning products, which I can understand, but not necessarily good for the community's uh, mental health. Um, so we've worked really hard to make sure people understand that, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul and we're, you know, going to support everything we possibly can community-wise. Um, I mean, Amazon doesn't give your teachers free books and <laughs> they're, they're not there for recommendations for, you know, great Aunt Mary's birthday party. and Unless you're connected through like Facebook and they're tracking all your searches. Uh yeah that creeps me out it creeps me out as well but um everyone seems to have an echo device so Mm, um, i do not we do do not anything in our house that is tracking it's bad enough that your wi-fi sends everything right to the computer and it shows up at my facebook feed the next day yeah that it's so funny that happens because i i use the work facebook and i'll be looking something up like a pet supply and all of a sudden i see ads for pet supplies on facebook i'm like that that's scary right there 
But, you know, did you want to kind of go a little further into the difference between supporting you in terms of um, helping out the community and Amazon Smile? I know I read a little bit blurb about that on your website as well. Yeah, we are. We always try to tell nonprofits, you know, like we're working with um, we're going to be working with the Boys and Girls Club. They have, you know, big Amazon Smile thing on their page. And I sent them an email after we donated to them, you know, for the year end. And I said, hey, you know, I, not for nothing. I know Amazon, Amazon Smile, you know, probably makes you guys money. But for the book lovers that are trying to support the Boys and Girls Club, how about working with us? And we'll give you, you know, five or 10% of every sale instead of a half of 1%, which isn't very much. And it keeps everything local and they're supporting us and then they're supporting you because they're supporting us. And so we're working that out. Um, we, we try to make sure our people do understand that we give back a lot and Amazon, not so much. Have you noticed that more people or more nonprofits are reaching out to local businesses to do um, fundraising rather than turning to Amazon Smile? I think so, yeah. Um, it's funny, we had worked with the uh, Stoneham, Stoneham Bank and they had, I don't know, it was maybe two years ago, we're, we're driving to the store from home and we're coming down Montville Avenue and their whole window, the whole front of the facade was a big, huge Amazon sign saying, you know, open an account, get an Amazon gift card. And I'm like, this is the Stoneham Community Bank. Why are they not giving away gift cards to the Book Oasis, Gaetano's Restaurant, McDonough's Liquor Store, Stoneham Sports, anything at all besides Amazon? <laughs> so we wrote them a few letters. And then this year, they actually reached out to us, which was really cool. And they, they had picked a few local businesses and they had a program where if somebody walked into the bookstore and said, oh, Stoneham, Stoneham Bank sent us, uh, we would give them a $10 gift card and Stoneham Bank would reimburse us for the $10. So the customer got $10 in books. We got $10 from the bank and they were helping support the community and the local business which I thought was just brilliant. I mean, it's a great idea. That is, that's, that's really cool. Cause I think now with COVID in session, a lot of people want to know how to give back to local businesses with COVID hitting and everybody recognizing that these local businesses are slowly shutting down. Unfortunately, they want to know how to support their community and keep these businesses open. So, cause unfortunately, once this is done, there would be a lot of vacancies and a lot of stores shutting down. So I think it's, it's nice that, you know, as you go on, you guys are partnering with all the local businesses in town and, you know, do you, in addition to that, do you partner with the Stoneham Library? Is there anything you guys do together? Yeah, actually, um, we are, I, I have been working, um, the Stoneham Community Development Corporation, the CDC, is, we're starting a Stoneham Reads program. So it'll be one community, one book. We're working with the library, uh, the um, Historical Society, trying to, and a couple of other local Stoneham anti-racism awareness groups and the high school to start our own Stoneham One Read type program. So this, this year, the book is going to be stamped by Jason Reynolds. And it, it's going to be a small program because it's 
going to have to be a virtual program. And because it's our inaugural event and it's, it's the first time we've actually done this in Stoneham, uh, it's going to be kind of a pared down, smaller uh, program. But next year, we're hoping to really go gangbusters on it. And really now, what does that entail? Is it like a book group or? Um, well, the idea is to get the whole town reading the same book and then having oh, a wow. And having a discussion around the themes and topics of that book. Um, That's so, very cool. How would you join that? Uh, well, you can go to the Stoneham CDC or Stoneham Reads. Um, there's a there should be a page on the Stoneham Community Developed Corp. org website, and if you go to events, I believe that Stoneham Reads is now a tab on there, and you can find out all the information as far as um, what we're doing and the mission statements and what the program, what we hope for the program as far as um, what we're going to be able to do COVID, COVID wise. Right, right. Now, has this just started or has this program been around for a while? Um, well, the idea of one book, one town or one city, one book type things have been going on for quite a while. Um, the Book Oasis has been working with Malden Reads for five or six years now. So we've kind of got a little bit of experience doing this. Um, this will be the first time Stoneham is reaching out. So we've got a really amazing team of people behind it. Um, there, it's a lot of hard work. We meet a couple of times a month on Zoom. I'm not a Zoom fan. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, with soon enough, we're done with the Zoom. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but, you know, discussing how the how to get financing and get some community support and who who to contact and how we're going to do this and i mean rachel the children's librarian at stoneham library and myself are kind of working on the companion books because you know the book is generally an adult book and then you try to find the books that'll fit the pre-k the middle school the grade schools um that kind of have that same theme so everyone can kind of have the same discussions i think it's going to be a lot of fun um I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Now, was that book chosen because of what's going on currently in the politics and the news and so forth? Um, yes, but I think mostly we, we kind of picked it because the high school was already going to be doing a program with this book. And we thought that instead of just having the high schoolers do it, maybe we should get the whole community involved. And it's a quick read, but man, it's a fantastic book. We, we chose even for the adults to do the YA version of the book. Um, because the original stamps from the beginning is very dense. It's very, um, I actually started listening to it on audiobook. It's very detailed oriented. Um, mm -hmm. Even just listening to it, I had to go back and rewind it and re-listen to certain parts just to ensure I get all the details and all the facts to just for myself, even if I was to talk about it, it you're, you're right. It's very, very in-depth just starting off. Um, I haven't finished it, unfortunately, but I, you know, maybe I'll consider the YA version as well. And I once I read this. Pick up the YA version. It's so readable. And it, he, he's really speaking to, you know, the 18 year old of today. And it, it, it's just fantastic. I think that's a wonderful way to bring the community together of all ages. And you're, finding companion books to go away to go along with the theme and that's 
awesome because it promotes reading in families and mm -hmm. hopefully discussions at the dinner table or on the weekends. Let's go in the park and read together. So that's really cool. Um, did you guys want to just discuss how we can access an audiobook through you guys instead of grabbing it on Amazon or other places? Yes, we actually have, um, we've partnered with Libro.fm and they provide all of the same audiobooks that Audible does, except that you own that book forever. Whereas audio, Audible, you might lose that book if they stop paying the rights to it. Um, Libro.fm is a, it's DRM free. So they own the books, you own the book. You could keep it in your library for a dozen years. It's the same price. It's the same um, quality and quantity of available titles, and it supports the bookstore. So when they go into it, they can purchase books by you guys, and you guys would receive the profit, correct? Yep. That's perfect. And I never knew that about Audible, because I know everyone uses that or their Kindle and so forth. But I do use Libra FM, and that I never thought about not owning the book forever that's I never thought about that to be honest and, and now it makes sense I'm glad I did Libro FM rather than Audible um so if you um, start to read a series because you might, might get to book three or four and you're like huh I don't remember something about this character this relationship now you can go back to book one because you still own it <laughs> that's know? perfect and I I do that sometimes I, I'm like oh I don't remember that happening why are they doing this and then you have to go back so yeah it's nice to have the book forever and you know it's once you have that book it might promote you to buy the physical copy to even just to have in your section yeah so I always listen to audiobooks while driving in the car or just going on trips so that helps um yes we 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 listen to a lot of books on CD. <laughs> we used to. Every time we took a road trip, we'd have three or four in the car. Is there any books you guys really had fun with listening to, especially when they do like the accents or the characters? <laughs> um, offhand, I don't really remember, but I do know that we started um, a Catherine Coulter FBI mystery that, you know, it's just, I like mysteries. I figured, okay, it's not going to be too much romance and Dan was like, that was really good. <laughs> we actually found two or three more because it's a very long series. So we've listened to two or three of those and very much enjoyed them. Um, we tried listening to some of the Harry Potter on audio and it's okay. It's not the same. It's, it's not. not the same. I would still really rather read it. It's funny because they did a um, reading with all the characters from the movies to read the audio. And I was like, I still like the books and the movies better. Yeah. Um, did you happen to see that girl who received the Harry Potter in Braille? Have you seen that news clip? I have not, no. Yeah, take a look. It's really it's really neat because um, I'm not quite sure if they offered it in Braille, but for her, I think they specifically made it customized in Braille so she could read the whole series. It was really heartwarming. So bring a oh, tear to your eye. Oh, I will definitely look that up. But it's nice. So, like, audiobooks are perfect because sometimes I can't always concentrate if I read a page or two at night and I just fall asleep. So audiobooks keep me up. I can listen to them while doing laundry, doing the dishes or going for a walk instead of just listening to music over and over. So that's awesome that they can support people can support your store through audiobooks as well. Um, so that's just good for know. And we can put that link in the bio when we post this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. Any goals for the future? Uh, another well, we 18 also, years? Yes, another 18 years. 
well, maybe another 10. And then maybe we'll start looking for somebody that wants to um, run a bookstore for us. <laughs> so you're taking interns. Is that what you're saying right now? Uh, Apprenticeship? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, it, it's hard because we're really trying to keep it to six people at a time in the store, plus the two of us, right. which is less than what is allowed. But I just feel, I just want everyone to feel safe. So we're, we're about a frat, we're about half of what we're actually allowed to have right now. And I think we're going to keep it that way for a while. Um, we do take appointments on our website. People can just sign up for a, a time period, a 30 minute time block and, and pretty much have the store to themselves um, or to, for their families if they want to sign up for a four person appointment. That's like a book yeah. lover's dream to have just a bookstore to themselves, <laughs> all access. I know. It's so different than, you know, a few years yeah. ago when we might have 30 different shoppers in it on a Saturday at one time. I mean, you, it would, you would be like, excuse me, excuse me, trying to get past this on the aisles and stuff. And Are you guys looking to increase the um, your location or kind of stay where you are? Um. Well, I, see what happens. We have looked at a couple of other locations. <laughs> in Stoneham or another uh, town? Um, two, two in Stoneham and one in another town. Um, we do get people from other towns coming to us and like, hey, by the way. <laughs> do you mind opening a new location, you know, adding or on? Or just moving, we'd like to yeah. have. Um, it's it's yeah. it, but that's great because it just shows the importance of having a local bookstore in any town. It, there's a need, there's a want, and that's wonderful that people are looking for you to move to their town um, and really utilizing your resources and supporting the community in that sense rather than going to a big box store or yeah, opening. People come in and say, oh, yes, we've moved here a few months ago. And the fact that there's a bookstore is what made us move to this to Stoneham. It, it, the fact that that our existence affects somebody else's decisions is mind boggling. Did you ever think of that when you were opening a store? No, no. And, and it still gets to me, you know, when I realized that when someone walks through our door, they made a conscious effort to say, I'm going to a bookstore today. I'm going to the Book Oasis today. And they may have come in every day for every week for months, for years, but we're still part of their daily to-do list. You know, it's like, okay, I've, I'm done with my book. I have to go visit the bookstore. And just that, that they think about us in that way is just heartwarming. It, it, it should be. It, it's a testament to how well you guys are running your store and just your meaningful impact on the town. You know, Stoneham's a small community. I think having a bookstore in such a small community in a location where everybody can walk to, your location's perfect. It's next to all the schools and all the kids. And, you know, they can go pick out a book and go over to the town common and read or attend the Arbor's Market. It's all, it's all interconnected and brings back the local community feel. And I think just from my point of view, it's, it's nice. It makes you want to stay in your community most of the weekends and not have to go far places. It's, it's a break. It's a staycation, part of your staycation routine, I guess. So yeah, that's I, what, that's cool. I think people too, they're, they're kind of, I see it in a lot of the younger people, like their parents are coming to visit, you know, so maybe mom and dad just came up from California or Virginia or whatever. And we're definitely a destination. They want to show their family their bookstore. It's, 
it's their bookstore. They they feel a bit of ownership of it and they're proud of it. And we're almost always on somebody's itinerary. We get a lot of people that go um, from pretty far away regularly. And it's just, it's so exciting. It is. It must be because it's, you know, I noticed over the year or so, bookstores are in local bookstores, the quirkier, I guess, the better or the more yeah. local, the better. So that's really good news for you guys. Oh, now only if they brought Blockbuster back, we'd be, we'd be in business. Um, so that's really neat of you guys. Um, just, you know, any goals for the future or anything um, you events you guys have planned for the next year or so? I mean, other than getting the Stoneham Rays off the ground, we're we're kind of staying away from author events right now. Um, and I just don't have the, I don't know, I, it's not exciting to think about doing them virtually <laughs> when you can't actually, your, your customers can't actually talk to the author and, and, right. and have a conversation and get the book signed in person. It's just not the same. It's um, a whole experience of doing that. All part of the experience, yes. And so I think... We're, we're going to continue just kind of playing with the mix and making sure that our, you know, the, the quantity of books and the quality of books that we're offering fits what our customers are looking for, staying on top of, you know, whatever the next big thing is without going too crazy. And of course, just putting the right book in the right person's hands. It feels really good to be able to match the right book to the right person or to get that reluctant, you know, nine-year-old hooked on something. And boy, I'll tell you, when the parents come in and say, you did it, you, you know, you found the book that made my child enjoy reading for the first time. Uh, that's, that's what I live for. That's awesome. That must be the best part about owning a store is the customer reviews, especially the younger guys coming in and just falling in love with a book that you recommended or that you had in yourself, you know. Yeah. So that's wonderful news to hear. Um, did you just want to give us a little information on how to get in contact and what's the best way to reach you in social media? Sure. We're on Facebook um, at the Book Oasis and Instagram at the Book Oasis. We are located at 311 Main Street in Stoneham, which is right on Route 28 near the corner of Montville Avenue. We have... Um, online new book shopping. So we can ship directly from our um, distributor warehouses to your door at bookshop.org slash the book oasis. And uh, you can make appointments and view us on our website at thebookoasis.com. Well, thank you for being on the show, Deb. I appreciate it. And congratulations on 18 years. That's a huge accomplishment. And we hope to see you in a huge facility in Stoneham, maybe three levels high. Um, but, you know, it's like I said, it's a huge accomplishment to be 18 years selling books. That's like a dream of a lot of readers, I'm sure. And you get to live it out. Um, so thank you for being on the show. Once again, guys, that's Deb Sullivan. Her and her husband, Dan, own the Book Oasis and Stoneham. Thanks for being on the show, Deb. Thanks, Allison. Have a great night.